0: So speed to insights is more important than ever before and being able to get to granular data very, very quickly. Um, And so I think that this is where there's an opportunity for a lot of businesses and public sector to look at this and say, you know what, we've been delaying this digital transformation thing. We've been delaying having a modern data platform. We have to do it because when this comes around again, like a lot of they predict, maybe it comes back in the fall or maybe it's just a wave businesses have to be prepared. And part of that is, do they have the information available to make decisions very, very quickly and act on them? You are listening to Stack and Flow, the sales and marketing technology cast with Sean Zinsmeister and John Wall. Welcome to Stack and Flow. I'm John Wall and I'm Sean Zinsmeister. Sean,
1: welcome back. It is good to be back, man. I haven't talked to you in a while. I know we've both been just insanely crazy. And we might as well start with like your whole tale because you've just like gone through an incredible transition. I mean, what the hell has happened since the last time we talked to you? I think that the last time that we talked, I probably was still at Infer
0: and dealing with the acquisition there. And then Yeah, it was just kind of like a big lightning strike, man. Like it was the month of, let's see, we were acquired in October and then my son was born in November and then I joined ThoughtSpot in December. So the Zinsmeister family has a, you know, let's just rip the bandaid off and do everything, you know, at once, I guess, (laughs) kind of of approach to life. Um, But yeah, I've been leading product marketing at ThoughtSpot, you know, i it, the nice thing about the acquisition lining up with my the birth of my son was that it gave me some time to kind of think about what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to stay in data and analytics again because so that's just kind of what I'm passionate about, and it's really where I just think the you know the most fascinating stories can be told. And so you know, I thought I kind of knew everybody on the on the scene, and it was actually a colleague friend of mine from Salesforce who actually introduced me to Scott Holden and really i got to talking to him and demoed the product and like the rest was history as they say so for the last couple of years i've been building uh something pretty cool and fun over at uh at thoughtspot and that's that's the key is that uh, i'm having a lot of fun it's a big industry uh data is certainly not going out of vogue <laughs> i don't know if that's an exp- i don't know if that's an expression but uh, which I'm sure you're seeing a lot of on, on your side too, John. I mean, and this is, you know, the nobody is not talking about data right now, right? And so it feels like a, an okay place to be. But yeah, it's been a wild ride. And uh, it brings us back to an even wilder, more interesting time like we're in right now.
1: Yeah, it is insane, isn't it? Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's been crazy for me because it, when we were last recording, I was still doing stuff with Event Hero and I'm still involved with that. But it's just that this last quarter you know, every event has canceled or shut down. So it's ground to complete zero. Mm -hmm. And within just a couple months, actually, of the last episode that had gone out right in uh, 2018, I started working with Christopher Penn because he left Shift Communications and started Trust Insights. He and Katie Robert were over at Shift doing a bunch of analytics for PR. And they decided that, you know, the analytics stuff is actually the most interesting part of this. And this applies to all marketing. It just totally. doesn't have to be PR. So they hung a shingle and uh, kicked off their own company. And after about six months of running that, I had been doing enough with podcast sponsorships that it just made sense to go work with them. So yeah, for the past uh, almost two years now, I've been working with them on a bunch of different projects and um, and it's been great. So podcasting drives the traffic to Trust Insights. <laughs> So it's, you know, finally, after only 12 years of marketing over coffee, this has become my day job. So um, (laughs) you were ahead of the curve, John, and now everybody's got a podcast, right? (laughs) I know. Isn't it ridiculous? I was so bleeding edge. It was, it was insane. And, and yeah, now it's nuts. I I mean, and especially like today, as we'd mentioned, it's April Fool's. I've seen uh, two podcasts launched today and I have two friends that have books out today. I'm like, what Man. the hell are you people thinking? It's April <laughs> Fool's during a pandemic. You know, you couldn't come up with a worse date to, to try and kick this off. So I, you have to read. I was reading, um,
0: stealing the jokes from some of the late night hosts. But, you know, I agree with them. I said, look, if there's one good thing that could come out of COVID, maybe it'll do away with April Fool's Day. Maybe that's one thing <laughs> that we can, we can have to do away with. Well, and uh,
1: Seth Godin this morning had posted like, "Dude, we don't need April Fool's Day because every day is April Fool's Day." Now we have lies on the internet every single day. There's no 100%. need for, for it 100%. to be April.
0: To- so are we? The, this is where I wanted to take the conversation because it's the you know we're we're sort of in looking at these perspectives and man, I, I you can't help but get kind of existential just given how surreal the situation is right now. You're sort of. Well there's first of all like from a business standpoint you have this idea of digital transformation right the promise that never ever that people have been talking about for years that never gets realized so what's the straw that broke the camel's back is covid and now businesses are just you know hustling to move online like zoom becomes a standard for like pretty much everything um amazingly like my parents are using zoom uh, colbert is using zoom for his uh, for his interviews that he's doing uh, from home, it makes me sad. By the way, like the the seeing everybody doing these comedian shows from home is just like it's bizarre. I mean, it's it's, just, it's another thing, and I can't help like you want to laugh, but then like the audience isn't there to laugh with you, and so. You know, for somebody that comes from a performance background, I'm like feeding off that emotion. But all you have is like this, like void of silence, where
1: it's assumed laughter. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's insane too, isn't it? It's, I hadn't realized how you know, having lived in a vir- as a virtual employee for you know years and having done webinars and stuff like this at startups, yeah. we're like used to doing everything on a shoestring. Yeah, I mean um, my wife was watching, uh, Kimmel and they're like, what, they don't have a better microphone. He can't do better on the sound. And you're like, yeah, you know, not, this is a whole deal. Like those hosts, they have people who do all that stuff. They just show up and write the jokes and do the, you know, the, the work as far as generating the content, the tech stuff yeah. is not their
0: thing. No, it's true. I mean, part of it is, you know, some of the, some of the, the big folks out there, you you wonder, it's like, geez, couldn't they ship them like better equipment? <laughs> Just, you know, like, You know, the setup is not, I mean, look at this, we fired up a Zencaster link. This audio is pretty good. And it's, you know, my setup is not too robust. A lot of it's plug and play. Um, you know, I've got some old audio equipment from my days as a audio engineer and a sound designer, but, um, you know, I got a nice KSM 27 mic, but, You know, aside from that, it's you can do so much with so little right now. Um, But I wanted to touch like the remote employee stuff is fascinating, right? Because it's been it touches on my sort of theory of work, and in particular, my theory is more contained in the world of product marketing because there's a lot of people who just don't believe that you could build remote product marketing teams, and I don't know whether it's just been working in the enterprise, uh, dealing with the skyrocketing cost of living in the Bay Area, uh, the war for talent that is out there and how hard it is in particular to hire for product marketing, but I imagine lots of other functions feel this way as well. I I have had no choice over my last three companies to build an agile remote organization. You know, it's been, the strategy has been follow the sun, Uh, you know, being able, I've worked with Mario Samarella, who's this, they've become good friends of mine. They're a, a husband and wife team out of Romania and I've been with them for seven years. I bring them to every single company uh, that I've ever been a part of. They're amazing. Um, part of that is you just, you know, you you develop a general chemistry with, with a creative team, but uh, look, I, 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 as, as good friends as we are, we exchange emails and pictures of, you know, each other's kids growing up and uh, you know, they just recently had a baby last, last year, but I, I've never, Gotten on the phone with him. I don't know what his voice sounds like, and I've known him for seven years. And we talk through Asana, which has always been like the first piece of technology that I deploy anywhere I go because I, I I talk about it like you need a source code if you're going to make this remote thing work. You need a source code, and you know I remember walking into you know uh, Slack organizations were a bit new to me and seeing people try to manage projects on Slack. I'm like, this is insane. I said, this is like trying to manage something on Twitter. It's a disaster. I was like, you can't do it. I said there needs to be, you know, some operational mindset. And so I think that just this has been a really, really interesting fractal for me where I'm looking at just all of these things kind of coming together and putting it together and saying, like, actually, when this whole thing hit and it's now forced work from home. Uh, I feel like my team, in particular, fifty percent of which today is is remote, uh, is kind of playing out to this theory because the other half of my theory, John, is that this will happen again, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to be married to uh, Dr. Erica Zinsmeister, who finished her PhD in the history of medical science, and so you know, being married to somebody who knows. And has studied the history of pandemics, including cholera, and some of the wonderful things that have happened in our history. You actually start to realize uh, how cyclical a lot of this stuff is. You know, in our conversation, she and I were talking about, like, I think that the aftermath of this, whenever it is, uh, because that's the tough thing too, right? Not to go off on a tangent, but you know, my dad has an expression where the difference between this and a snowstorm is that you at least know when a snowstorm is going to end, and this one, you just you don't see the end in sight. Um, but you know, in our conversations, it's like, do you remember after nine eleven and I understand sensitivities in in making the macro level comparison, but you know the response was we ended up with that color code system. remember it was you know code orange, and we're at threat level, yellow or threat level. I don't know if you, if if you remember that, John, I'm sure they had it. I mean, I remember they had that all over the Boston tea when I was still living in Massachusetts oh, yeah yeah, I think we had that again, and I think that at some point. You know the response times for and the demand for rapid reaction is going to be okay. We're now at uh, it's it's a code orange. Everybody home for the week. You know, right. Right. I mean, like, and 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 then your response times are like, shoot. You're kind of forced into making this work. Then that's that's kind of my that is kind of my my whole thesis in a nutshell, which is like I think that this is just the times being like no, like if you want to survive in this business era, it's about agility and it's about speed and if you're not fast, you're dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that is true. And I, I don't know, it'll just be amazing to see what happens in the next decade because of this. Because, I mean, all the technology pieces are there. You know, We can uh, keep track of... Uh, there was a, a great piece I saw I was talking about, I think it was in South Korea, where law enforcement had helmets that were thermographed. They could actually see who had fevers in the crowd wow. and them off. And so I think there's going to be a ton of stuff on that front where it's not a big deal. I mean, Anybody wearing an Apple Watch, you know, the data's there. You can tell when they're starting to run a fever or their heart rate is going. And so there's a lot of things that, you know, we can monitor this, but then you have the whole trade-off of, okay, how much privacy do you give up to, to keep that, you know, to do that kind of stuff?
0: So, John, that's the question, right? And that's the thing I'm thinking about, too. Is this, you know, we talked about, oh, social media, you know, no, everybody's living in public, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but is this, is this really the end of privacy? Right, because, I mean, I think that, okay, so I'm going to get the app. I mean, this is the whole thing. In South Korea, they had an app that, you know, essentially what they're doing, well, part of this part of it, and I'm not as familiar with this technology, but this is a technology show, and so it's good to to talk about these things. Um, They are essentially tracking, uh, you know, cell phone signals, right? And so if you are trying to um, enforce social distancing, uh, which is a fascinating message, by the way, we can we can definitely unpack that one a little bit. Um, you could essentially see where cell phone signals are being clustered. And then that could be a spot where you say, okay, we got to break up any of these sort of gatherings and stuff like that during this time. But, you know, I mean, it's it's also how they keep track of, you know, symptoms and things like that, where it's like, is this becoming where, you know, you and I are walking around uh the streets of of Boston Massachusetts or San Francisco, and you know the cell phone goes off did, 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 uh don't go down that block you know it's 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 <laughs> don't, go down, don't go down that block um I don't know i think it just i think it's a step uh it's a step forward for the death of of privacy not that i and i don't even know what that means anymore, which is worth unpacking but and I, but I just have to I have to imagine that with all the monitoring devices. Um, You know, they're talking about Amazon, you know, potentially stepping up to be the one when they have these, you know, COVID tests to be the shipping mechanism. And there's part of you that's like, okay, well, they certainly have one of the best logistics and supply chain systems in the world. So if there's a distribution system in the private sector that we were going to rely on to get this thing out there, I mean, the proof is in the pudding with, with that company. But then it's like, is this just another thing we're just all giving up that Amazon is just <laughs> like, um, we, and, and and I, again like uh, not to this total stream of consciousness, but on that same note, I don't know about you, but you know we're, California has been hit pretty hard, and um, part of that is that you got to think about the scale. I mean, we're the fifth largest economy in the entire world. Okay, so like. It, in the world, not in the country in the world and so if you think about the correlation between that and like our population size, like the state is massive nowhere near how bad the state of New York is but New York also has its own you know dense metropolitan city centers as well um, but if you if you look at sort of some of the numbers there it's it starts to get staggering and what's been crazy is people who have been living out of you know, delivery systems, right? You know, boxes coming to the house. I mean, we have changed so many behaviors. I'm delousing boxes as they come to the house. My wife and I have a whole system when any time that we order something, we're trying not to order a lot of stuff, but, you know, when when things come, we need it. Um, and, and I have to admit, like, we have used Prime now for a lot of the grocery services, and they are slammed. I mean, we've been playing a refresh game. And part of that is just that, you know, we have a young kid, and we're trying to reduce exposure. And uh, even then, if you have delivery systems, that it's 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 you still got to wipe every. You want to make sure you wipe everything down and stuff like that. But uh, I, honestly, like this, the, the thing get gets hits because people are glued to the news, right? So information's traveling faster, and they just can't keep up with the demand. Uh, it's not the same in a lot of areas, but um, I think the city centers are different because people are less hoarders. And if you move out to the suburbs, it's like they have more room and so like they're going to tend to probably stockpile things, right? Because people are just like, how long are we going to be in this? Um, But, you know, you sit there and press refresh. I mean, you pretty much got to wait until like the stroke of midnight and get your little window and then see if you can get any delivery functions. And it's just crazy. And it just, you know, the supply chain was not ready for it. And so I'm just, again, stream of consciousness, but I'm tying it all together. I mean, are you all seeing stuff like this on your part? I know California might be unique a little bit because we were, do- were we've been doing shelter in place now for I think this is week 2 or 3, I don't know. We started doing mandatory work from home policy I think a couple of weeks before the announcement came in. But you know, they make these announcements and then it just it sends panic through people and that's what I think causes all this behavior. Right? It's just, anyway,
1: it's been crazy. I mean, there's the toilet paper hoarding has just been unbelievable to see how, yeah. I mean, it literally has nothing to do with the what's going on, and the same to people buying bottled water. I mean, there's no threat to the water supply, so I mean, it right. is good to have some water on hand, of course, you know, I mean, but I, the bigger thing is a mind shift for everybody of, you know, this should just be your da- disaster preparedness thing. Like, you should already exactly. have, you know, an extra case of everything in the basement just in case, <laughs> you know, things go go sideways. Um, and, yeah, there's a whole huge discussion we can get to on, you know, public safety and public health and what that mm-hmm. means. I mean, I, this may at least put the uh, put a hard crunch on people who thought that, um, you know, vaccinations are a, a, a bad thing and, and cause trouble. I mean, yeah. you know, this kind of shows the science in action and how it works. So
0: why well, just so. I want to give you another theory, and then I think that what's going to be interesting for people to talk about is, number one, I want to touch on, in exchange, uh, you know, people like hearing about a lot of the different tools that we're using right now, and so I can kind of give my little playbook about what I'm using uh, to make remote. You know, we talked about Asana, but I can kind of go into that. But I, it's also interesting, I mean, you can't decouple this from the personal side, especially because everything is so intertwined right now, um, you know, business especially because people are working from home and I bet if you listen hard enough, you'll hear my son uh, just starting <laughs> to wake up in the next room. Um, but my, my whole th- since again, playing off a conversation that uh, my wife and I had, which is, you know, we are seeing a shift in the framework from this. like there's a new sort of mode of operations that we've been seeing uh, just play out in front of us. Where, think about if you didn't have the Amazons of this world, and you didn't have social media, and you didn't have video conferencing, and you didn't have, um, you know, I don't know, grocery delivery or instant message. I mean, all these things have been happening for the last, that's fair to say, maybe 10 years or so. I mean, at least it's been, you know, at, at some of more its mature state. and. The thing that it makes me think about is like, look at this. It's like it kicks into action, and now you have to figure out your work from home setup. You're shifting a lot more to the digital side of things. What this means for the mom and pop uh, organizations, excuse me, I do not know. I really don't. Like, if you're a, or how about this? If you're a four star Michelin restaurant, and you're not set up really at all to do delivery. Like, how are you reinventing yourself right now? It is a forced, rapid response, and some of the change just becomes—I I hate the expression—the new normal. Um, <laughs> but really, I mean, this is—and this again harkens back to my point about like, okay, now everybody's like, I don't want to go to the grocery store because of exposure, um, and and I would prefer to get delivery and and shoot man first of all if you are bagging groceries or delivering packages you are like on the front line of this thing and i think that when you took that job you had <laughs> i don't know that that was something that was top of mind and so but now like you sort of realize how critical these pieces of infrastructure are because i can tell you this it's not the people probably like like you and i but there are people who uh, are less connected um, who don't have these benefits? You know, I think about um, Erica's dad who lives in in Berkeley, and we're thinking about like, okay, like maybe we need to, you know, get stuff up to him, and, and we'll have to connect him because he's in more of the high risk uh, exposure age group. Um, how do we do that? Because you know, even even him, you know, coming down the stairs and like interacting with people, it's like you know, you gotta think about these things. So it, it's a kind of refactoring of all these systems that we've seen. To play out. And I think that, you know, to touch on the work front, for again, for me, because 50% of my team uh, was remote, you know, the things that we were used to using. So ThoughtSpot is, you know, enterprise organization, field sales. So it's a lot of disparate um, workforce anyway, right? So we got people all over the world. And so Slack, Zoom, good old fashioned phone call. Um, as well as I'm trying to th- and you know, Asana for us to keep our projects in order. You know, I still use Trello just to sort of like manage my own stuff. And now there's there's other stuff coming in as well. But like that's been like the main toolbox that I need. Um, and then I sorry, but for gear, like uh, AirPods have been key for me. I got the AirPods Pro um, because honestly, like I'm on the phone all the time, and I don't know about you, John, but like one of the human behaviors that I find is interesting to observe is as you force people into these now purely digital roles, okay? There's no more drive by the desk, you know, shooting the shooting the breeze in the office, right? There's no more, you can't just grab people and throw them into whiteboards. You lose that face-to-face time and people don't read stuff and you can't interpret intent. <laughs> You can see, yeah, see, it's authentic, right? This is my my son Rasmus is is clearly awake. Um, <laughs> that's why we try to record early in the morning. Um, but. Uh, I th- and by the way, like I actually think you 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 hear that type of stuff on the podcast. and People are just like, yeah. I mean, that's everybody's that's everybody's conference call right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's welcome. I actually I I like it when my son makes a cameo appearance. I think it just breaks up the mood. We're in a very serious time right now, and so I think anything to just massage the uh, friction and the just uh, anxiety level that's sitting on the crust of the atmosphere just was helpful um but anyway like i was saying like with the tools that we have at our exposure and like airpods being key i i like getting on the phone with people because nobody can they assume intent unless you're just you know going crazy with the emojis and i think that that just looks silly after a while i think it's fun and i i get it but i mean slack is both a Useful tool and it's a nightmare too because the thing is just such a needy application. Is people paying you, you know, all the darn time? I have to shut mine off uh, during periods of the day because then you could sit there and get absorbed and then you're doing nothing but ad hoc communications and you're not getting anything done. But the people not reading stuff, I tell you something. If I go back and forth with somebody on like Slack over, you know, one, two, three, oh, I just and I really handy tip. If you're using Zoom, the Zoom and Slack integration is fantastic. Slash Zoom opens up a join and then just jump on the phone. Just jump on the phone. Just talk it because like people will assume, oh, are, are, are they mad? Like, you know, is that what? <laughs> and it's like, no, I, like, you know, and, and by the way, like I, I, I actually, I blame my, I love my mother, but I blame her for this because she's very curt over emails. She doesn't mean to be, that's just her style. She's she's Italian. She's my Italian mother, uh, Joanne Tommaso. And she's been that way and written me those wonderful emails. And I always said to my brother, like, wow, dude, is, this, is mom mad? She's like, no, man, she's fine. <laughs> but that's that's the style, man. And so it's like it's hard for people's attention span to want to like read through everything. Um, it puts the importance on documentation, it puts the importance on boy, does it separate the good communicators from the bad communicators and being somebody who's in the world of product marketing. Um, I see this more than ever, where you just sort of sit there and you sort of squint and just be like, where are we missing each other? Um, so, you know, I find that those tools in particular have their ups and downs. And I, I like just, what's what's great about Zoom is that sometimes you just need to be a passive observer of a conversation. And I got to tell you, John, uh, you know, my dog needs to go out a few times a day and I will definitely pop my AirPods in and go walk ginger, put it on mute. And if I need to chime in fine, but like, that's just the conference call happening in the background. I need to observe it. Maybe I you know, get the piece of information that I need, but I'm multitasking. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it where I'm preparing lunch for the family and I just put it on, uh, on mute, which I, I tried, I block off part of my day. Um, cause I, co- I do all the cooking in my family. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm making lunch and breakfast and everything. And I'm just, you know, the AirPods give me the freedom and flexibility uh, to to try to multitask and, and make it work. But that's just, anyway, like a little bit of interesting insight to some of the tools. The last thing that I'll say, going back to my part about Asana and project management, boy, has project management never been more important. And so if you're not getting on some sort of system, take your pick you got Trello, you got Work. Um, what is got uh, Work.com, you've got Airtable, you've got Asana. Um, they're all great. I'm more familiar with Asana just because I've used it for the past several years in several companies. It's just what I know. Um, but you have to have a way to manage projects and really putting people in a mindset. It's interesting, John, the psychology. You put people on Slack a lot of chit chat, a lot of flyby. the feed, you know, is just a running stream, you're going to miss stuff, you know, the search is okay, but you know, if you missed it, boom, it's gone. Not everybody checks Slack as much as other people. Um, you know, defeat the red notification game is not something that everybody wants to play. Um, and people's conversations are different when you're getting tied into a project and you see things and you're now like clipping things to or t- attaching things rather to a project feed, subtasks, putting them in a the mentality, like, if you evaluate the conversations, like they're very focused. And that is so key, because it's really hard to focus right now, in general, with everything going on. Um, and so there's more that you can bring it back. And by the way, Asana also, if you're going to use Slack as your notification system, there's a lot of great integrations um, that you can use there uh, as well. So that's, I don't know. It, not to steal airtime from you, but like, what are you using? I mean, cause you're, you're also in there with gear and apps, like anything that's been super helpful for, I mean, you've been doing, you've seen more evolution, Sean, than even I have. Uh, <laughs> to work from home. Like what's working? Like, is it similar toolkit? Like what, what's, what's your kind of workflow and, and toolkit look like?
1: No, it's similar stuff. I mean, cause you definitely hit a point in that Slack is great for churning out your email inbox, you know, it makes all those kind of junk one-shot emails go away, but it's totally useless for anything that happened a week ago. Like, you know, the search function is only okay. And it's just to dig through the past is, is ridiculous. So yeah, having something I, I'm, you know, we started using Asana a couple of years ago um, when you had used it. In fact, it was on this project too, we were using it and it's just a great way to go. So I'm a fan of that. Trello is good kind of for your own stuff. If you're used to that Kanban board or post-its, You know, you can easily get into that. Um, You know, I've got a Zoom account, so I use it. I'm I'm fine, actually, with FaceTime and, um, you know, any pretty much conferencing system that works. The podcasting thing is interesting in that um, we've been on Zencaster for a while, and now I'm using Squadcast, um, Mm. which are both great because, you know, and this goes back to what you are talking about, like with the talk show host. You know, if you have each side of the conversation on its own audio track, it just opens up a whole nother world for you as far as being able to do post-production and clean stuff up that you can't get if you just grab a, Zen, a, a Zoom file uh, where you've got both sides on the same track. So so that's yeah. a big one. Um, but I wanted to talk to you more about the iPods Pro. I mean, that, how is the sound quality of those? Is it, I mean, are they decent?
0: Yeah, the sound quality is pretty decent. Um, I have used them. I like the freedom of them. I had a pair of bose i think it's q25 is it q25 maybe 35.
1: yeah noise reduction that's like pretty much the, the traveler's or are choice over,
0: or? yeah the over yeah exactly oh, the traveler's okay. choice so i have, I like bose Boston company um and i've always thought that their noise re, noise cancellation was very very good and i like that because most of the offices that i've worked in have been open uh air plants and anybody who works in product marketing uh, you need to have your think time and you you really just need to be able to like, you know, really jump into a product and be absorbed uh, into what you're doing. You have to, you need to be able to deep go deep um, without distraction. So I actually bought a converter because I had wired ones. There's something, I can't remember the name of the tool. I can't grab it off my desk, but I converted those for a while and I've just, you know, so many times that I'm on the phone, whether it's with, with reps or members of my team or, You know, like I was just saying, like you just hit those informations where you're just like, ah, let's just grab a quick phone call, screw it. Sometimes I just kind of multitask and I'm too lazy to just like want to type anything. And so it's just easier to just give somebody a call or just open up a quick Zoom, whether it's audio or video. Um, But I really like the sound quality. The noise cancellation is exceptionally good. Uh, I'm now on my second pair of AirPods Pro that did get completely refunded and replaced um, because I bought them through Amazon and I started getting this weird crackling in one of the ears, and it was really nice that I talked to them. And it was under warranties, and so they were able to replace it. Um, they're very comfortable; they sit in their ear. I do like the way that they look as well. Um, they're not as garish as the other ones with the long, you know, stems on it, and so they look good on video conferencing. Which you know, we we this is it right now. All of our client engagements, all of our customer engagements, big enterprise companies, uh, you want to look decent and professional on video and try to, you know, look the part as it were. Um, and so I think that those look good. And so, yeah, I go in and out. I usually have it on the noise cancellation part, but you know, again, because I have a dog, I've just always wanted to have something that just feels comfortable in my ears. Some wandering around mountain view, listening to podcasts, given the dog, a, uh, uh, her, her exercise or on the phone or, you know, because I live, uh, in California, all of my family is on the East Coast. And so I'm also checking in with them as well. Um, it's, it's handy. It's handy. I've, I've, I really like them. Uh, they are very expensive, but I, I honestly like investing in a good pair of headphones that you are going to spend a lot of time getting acquainted with.
1: <laughs> yeah, the per hour cost is yeah, uh, but,
0: like, it is worth the investment to get some like good equipment that doesn't sound tinny, music sounds good. Um, A lot of companies, especially remote, will probably subsidize them for you um, in a lot of ways. So definitely, definitely worth the investment. Um, One of the things I wanted to make sure that we touched on in this conversation as well, since we're both coming from the data and analytics world, this is such a fascinating industry to be in right now uh, with the world essentially is frozen for the most part, right? I mean, it's just like everybody is Business is just disrupted all over the place. The markets are going crazy, um, but there's a couple of things that I wanted to compare notes with you uh, on because you know we talked about you know if you're not fast, you're dead. And I want to bring back this whole thing where it's like, you know, when the tide goes out, John, and this will happen again. It might be COVID twenty, Fukushima Part Two, whatever. Like these macro level shocks to the system that upset. The global economy will happen again, uh, you know. And it really, it's about preparedness. And so, there's three main use cases that we're seeing really prevalent right now um, that businesses are pivoting towards in a big way. Uh, number one is business continuity planning. So, how fast can you get an organization uh, online? A lot of these tech companies, like ThoughtSpot, you know, your guy's operations pretty lean. Um, you know, a lot of these more let's call them more digital native companies you know can make the leap a lot faster big banks though that have a lot of legacy infrastructure how fast can they move how fast can they get online how do you ensure that the essential employees in your organization have the connectivity that they need and non-essentials aren't eating up the bandwidth um, fascinating John that you know what one of the biggest problems in public sector is right now since that's a that's a major vertical that we are looking at if you take a guess about what Right now, what is one of their main big challenges?
1: Oh, I've got no I, I mean communication <laughs> seems to be yeah. a problem, but what what is it?
0: Well, it's connectivity and infrastructure. There there's you like there's we just I think sometimes forget how old and decrepit the technology landscape is for the federal government. And they're just not made to have all these people, they're not telework ready, as the expression goes. Um, they're not those systems are not made for it. And so they're just, you know, uh, yeah, a lot of it, there's, is I want to talk about the data and analytics side of it, but a lot of it's just like, can we get these things up and get people connected and keep the systems online, right? You know, we're talking about, I know a lot of people here are moving from a big office uh, internet pipe to, you know, whatever maybe cable line that they have or DSL in some cases or, you know, uh, Fios or whatever it is that they're using at home pretty fast, right? And so like, you know, the latency is not too bad. Um, but these other infrastructures it's just it's it's amazing and this stuff is is exposing all that and so that's that's number 1 number 2 is really a cost containment right it feels obvious but working capital analytics for accounts receivable like you know what industries were hit hardest and how you know who's going to be late on paying their bills and that stretches across to how you're looking at payables and inventory and bringing all that together and having to make decisions really really fast because cash is king right now. right? I mean, that's just the obvious statement. Um, supply chain resiliency, I think, goes under that as well. How are you making sure that you're moving suppliers around? Um, do you have product lines that you meet demand? You know, we, we talked a lot about supply chain on this and the Amazon case study right now, I'm sure, will be written about and taught in Harvard Business School and around the world after this. You know it, right? It's going to get written up. Um, and And how are you being able to Move things around, become more agile, use insights. Where, you know, the problem is, is that the risk mitigation is not there for a lot of these supply chains. Where, for example, John, you know, you only have one supplier for a particular product line. Okay, well, they're, they're getting creamed right now. Say that, you know, it's in um, El Salvador, and the COVID outbreak is is it's not in this particular example, but just for the sake of the story. Uh, You know, and and they're now seeing a spike of exposures and you're forced to shut down factories. Boom, there goes your product line. So what do you do? How do you how do you find alternate suppliers and how do you build that preparedness in? Um, And then the final one is just workforce management, right? It's about, you know, how do you understand which part of your employee base is high risk exposure? This is something we're seeing that's a very, very prevalent in the federal government right now. It's a ton of really interesting public data sets out there from OPM that we're looking at. Workforce contingency management. Um, This includes like, do we have enough telecom workers to keep these areas up? You know, where are our single points of failure? Um, Which part of our workforce and what occupations are in the high exposure uh, age groups? Um, All these things kind of build into that plan. And so when you think about the speed to insights, when the tide rolls out, I think people are really going to look at their infrastructure and be like, how do we get more granular? This is the look. They're talking about this in the press briefings, right? They want granular data. This is um, a lot of the applications, by the way, using the uh, Johns Hopkins University coronavirus data stream, um, JHU for short. Um, it's fascinating. It's great stuff, but it's changing every single day. Uh, you know, they used to have county level data in there and then they they took it out. Um, the reasons for that, I, I can only infer I imagine that it was something about that. They were concerned about the accuracy and maybe it was something with testing, um, but for whatever the reason was, or maybe it was PII, I, I don't know. Um, potentially good guesses. I'm sure there are others, but that data set goes out. And so now you're just looking at everything in the state level. They probably looked at it and said, what is the point? <laughs> like maybe looked at it and said, what's the point? Um, but if you are in Santa Clara County where we are and It's one of the counties that's been hit the hardest in California next to Los Angeles. What does that mean for surrounding operations and how do you build that plan? So speed to insights is more important than ever before. Um, And being able to get to granular data very, very quickly. Um, And so I think that this is where, you know, there's an opportunity, I think, for a lot of businesses and public sector to look at this and say, you know what? We've been delaying this digital transformation thing. We've been delaying having a modern data platform. We have to do it because this, if when this comes around again, uh, like like a lot of they predict, maybe it comes back in the fall, or maybe it's just a wave, or there's you know the, the color system that comes into play, warnings, early warning systems that force us to change our habits very quickly. Um, the businesses have to be prepared, and part of that is do they have the information? Uh, available to make decisions very, very quickly and act on them, and so those are really the three big use cases that we're seeing um, from businesses. I'd be interested in seeing, like, what are you seeing from from your side and your client engagements? Like, what are they looking at?
1: Yeah, it's a lot of the same stuff. I mean, the biggest thing is the fact that anything that you don't have automated before everything starts flying around is not going to happen. You know, nobody's going to be updating spreadsheets when everything's on fire, and mm-hmm. you know that's, that's right. what we. And, you know, that's what we see now is that everything has to drop because all hands have to go to where the work needs to be done. So, yeah, you just need to take advantage of times. And it's tough as humans. We don't do that. And especially in the States, there's so many, you know, every business is based on just in time inventory, you know, Mm -hmm. up until now, everybody was like, well, look, we don't even need a warehouse. Like, it's just have it come straight from the truck. Well, here we are. The trucks aren't coming. You know, what are you (laughs) going to do? And there's nowhere to go. Yeah, we could hammer this uh, forever, but um, I'd have to, uh, you know, kind of keep a lid on it. I think we should just circle back in another couple of weeks because it's going to be interesting when we see what goes on and um, how things develop. Because, yeah, eventually we will get to the other side of this, and then there'll have to be a lot of discussion about, you know, how do we go forward and deal with this next time it comes around.
0: I agree. And I think we're going to have a lot of interesting discussions in the future, which we should plan on having. This is very therapeutic for me, John. I appreciate
1: it. (laughs) (laughs) everybody's going through this, so it's it's the right time to do it. Hopefully we can also provide
0: some relief to anybody who's been a Stack and Flow listener. Um, I was looking forward to kind of jumping on a podcast and kind of building this into our routine. But um, in in addition to just, you know, the ramblings and, and preamble, uh, that you and I are are, are used to exchanging. Uh, looking forward to kind of getting more feedback on different types of applications, hacks, workflows, whatever you want to call them, that are making work from home uh, more bearable. Uh, on the personal side as well, by the way, I'm getting a lot of tips from friends on um, that businesses are being super creative um, about how they're they're reinventing their workforce. Whether it's restaurants that are just you know quickly converting over to delivery or how they're making kind of those no contact delivers, uh, the, the no contact delivery and all these other systems that are in place. Um, so really I, I'm, I'm looking forward to exchanging those ideas um, and then keeping coming back to, you know, this is what I live in every day. I'm learning a lot every single day about how businesses are using data and analytics to respond to this current crisis um, as well as how they are just already thinking about, okay, like I said, when when the sun sets on this thing, we got to be ready, and like, what does that world look like? Um, and are we made for the moment? And that's key. You know, it's like, are we are we made to handle this moment? Because um, it will it will happen again. So I look forward to, to future conversations with you. So I, uh, hopefully, this will be interesting for the audience. A little a little bit of a new angle on the on the show. Less about maybe marketing automation and and the tech stack, but a different type of tech stack, right? We've we've just uh, it's a different level of thinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's what people need to do to get through the day and to make things happen. So that hasn't changed for us. Yeah, well, and of course, swing on over to stackandflow.io. You know, you get this show. And then, of course, there's still the archives are over there and you can check that out. And uh, yeah, don't be afraid to even throw a review over on Apple Podcasts if anybody still spends time over on the iTunes Podcast Store, which uh, I know I haven't been over there in a while. All right. Yeah, that'll do it for us for this week. So until next time, thanks for listening and we'll see you in the stacks.